What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Diddleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Wow, this is our 99th episode, and I'm so happy to be here with you and to have uh, our listeners joining us. This is this is fun. 99 episodes on the wall. 99 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, this is great to be here. Of course, always happy to talk with you every week on how life is, and uh, I, I'm just so happy to to talk about anything that's not politics in the world right now because I mean ban it's been it's been uh weighing on me everything going on in the world but uh we're gonna just focus on fun stuff and what uh we do as performers and entertainers and uh and talk about magic so what's going on with you man uh everything's everything's good everything's okay but you're right you hear yeah. these things in the news and then have to go on stage later that night and yeah. kind of sometimes it's hard to see things as funny when you're up there on stage or it's hard to do what you normally do. Just like you got to kind of leave the, all the baggage at the door and that's what we do yeah. you know, and give people yeah. the, the good time that they came for. And that's, I, I think maybe entertainment's more needed now than ever. That's, that's exactly, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, even though obviously we're affected by things going on in the world and it can weigh on you, like you said, you got to leave it at the door because the people are coming to the show to keep their minds off of that and, you know, maybe having a distraction or just to be able to laugh or to be amazed by magic or whatever the art form is, uh, is so needed to have just those times to uh, escape from. Escapism is real and can be important, I think. Yep, that's that's many times precisely the reason they're there. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, I was able to perform a bit at Speakeasy Magic again this past week. Uh, always yep. fun to be uh, brought into that show and perform. And uh, again, you never know when I'm going to be on there. So you got to just keep coming to the show if you're in New York. <laughs> Maybe you'll but, catch but me. But people can come and they don't know if they'll see you, right? Because they don't get to see everybody. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, if they're a friend of the show, shoot me a message. If I happen to be on, you know, make... We can make sure that, you know, if I'm performing that night, maybe my table will be in your rotation if I know you're there. Pull some strings, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Well, see, no promises, but I'll see what I right. can do. <laughs> so we we started, we we hopped on this Zoom mm. together. Yes. Honestly, it's a, it's like embarrassing. It was over 40 minutes ago. Yeah. We were chatting and just catching and, and we up. just never started recording because we got caught up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we cheated a little bit. I kind of know a little bit about what mm-hmm. you're going to tell me and vice versa. Yeah, we also have show notes that are kind of listed. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah, no- but I'm kind of excited to uh, for you to share a little bit about what happened at Speakeasy this last time and kind of ties into something... Uh, Mm-hmm. That that happened to me as well. So let's hear it. I want to preface this too because oftentimes our listeners hear uh, when things go wrong in performances. I just want to say this is not the majority of times. It's just as performers, we tend to focus on the negative a lot of the time to try and improve that so that those those uh, instances don't happen as often. Does that make sense? To, to me, to me, this story is less about things going wrong, sure, and more about um, like human behavior. Right, but I'm just saying on the podcast, if I'm always like, well, this this messed up in my show, and this mess, and that's people, all they hear, it's just because I'm not constantly talking about the stuff that goes well in the show that's like You're, you're actually getting self-conscious of your own self-deprecation right now? Is that what's happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's you know all right. It. We know you don't suck. <laughs> so, um, I was just, uh, I, I won't go into the exact piece because, again, I want that to be a surprise, but it requires specific instructions for the audience, as most magic and mentalism does, for the magic and mentalism to work. Uh, so, I just uh, was at a table and I asked, you know, someone to do something and they just, uh, you know, it's implied instructions at every other table. It's never ever an issue. And right, it works 99% of the exactly. time. Exactly. But they just decided not to follow the instructions that were very clear so that when I went to go for, you know, whatever secret method I was using, it did not work. And I have backup plans and all this stuff, and again, normally when this happens, no one's going to tell not, you know, the thing's not going to work because I'll find a, you know, happy solution at the end. Right, so, they don't know the, the the difference in the final result. Basically, I was stuck in the water. I had no outs cuz I tried, used all the outs and they weren't working. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as a mentalist, what I just I sometimes just go for it, and you know if it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit, and that's part of mentalism, and sometimes makes it more powerful. Uh, but I was towards the end of the set, and I didn't want to end on that note, so I was like, all right, we're gonna try this again with the other side of the table and see if we can get a successful conclusion. So maybe the fact that they you know saw a little bit of what was happening uh, before, they saw a little bit of the setup. Like obviously you don't normally want to repeat something, but I was like, let's go for it. It's, it's it'll be. Uh, impressive enough. The other person I chose also didn't follow the instructions at the same time. No, table. they pretty much did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like they, the, in a different way. They, they, right. I don't know how else to phrase it, but they were, they understood that there was something important in following the direction and like purposely went against it. Exactly. That's, they didn't the, know what you were uh, doing or how it was done, but they felt mm-hmm. like, oh, this isn't one of those things that just doesn't matter. If I don't do it this way, I can mess with him. Yeah. The instruction was clear enough that they knew that if they didn't follow it, there would not be a happy result, you know, at the end. So, okay. Um, I'm curious to see if you've encountered situations where audience members just intentionally don't follow the instructions for an effect. And what do you think is going on in their minds? Like, for example, as soon as this happened to me, I was like, are they just doing this because they think mind reading is real? Or in your case, magic is real. And they're like, maybe if he can still do this, I'll be really impressed. Or they're like, oh, it can't be real. So I just want to see this person fail to take them down a peg to show that magic and mind reading isn't real. Or they, do you think it's that malicious intent behind it? Or, or what do you, what do you think is happening in the audience member's mind? Cause if I'm an audience member and I'm seeing a show, I want it to succeed. So if, you know, specific instructions are laid out to me. I was like, well, I'm going to follow it. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to have the enjoyment of the entertainment that's going to come from that. Oh, I'd be petrified that I'm going to mess it up. Right. Yeah. Petrified, petrified that I'm going to mess it up for them. But that's, you know, we come from a different perspective, but I think I know the answer. Like, I think I, I I think it's closer to the latter, Mm -hmm. but it's less about, Oh, is, you know, is it real or whatever? I think it's more about people's own insecurity and like, they, they, people don't understand how to enjoy magic the same mm-hmm. way they try to enjoy music. And it's really actually depressing because I started getting active on social media again and just like sharing a few more video clips, but they've been more magic based than, you know, sometimes what I've shared in the past is a little more wide variety, but these are just like, I've, I've shared a few different magic mm-hmm. effects, right? Um, just straight visual magic effects in a row, several days in a row. And people are so off put by magic Mm, mm. it's amazing the the negativity that it breeds on the internet it's just insane and like i can't dance but i'll post a dancing video and the amount i've told you i talked (laughs) about this in the past right the amount of positivity yeah that will come from that is just insane it's like polar opposite it's like i never want to post a magic video again right (laughs) right um and then i get on stage and i look out in the audience and i think some of these people are the type of must be the type of people that like make these like really rude strange comments. <laughs> they're they're the internet trolls but in real life in your audience sometimes maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they never behave that way for the most part. They right. look like really happy excited audience members, but I think it's um oh, all right. Let me I digress. Mm. So, here's the thing. I, we're we, magicians. We have our backs up against the wall. Like we, 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 people are coming in with their guard up, not understanding how to interpret magic. They think it's a game of fool us. Right, 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 right. right. They're used to this Penn and Teller TV show, which is a very popular show where the whole point is like, oh, magic. The point of magic is to fool mm. the person. Right. Which I which don't believe that to be true. The surface level of that show, but the real meaning behind the show is this because they want to showcase good magic, but they had to sell it to the producers as right. a kind of challenge uh, right i know uh, it's right, a great right, right. show i'm only yeah. talking end level user like right. end level customer or what, surface you are watching the show yep, yep, yep. like uh, a casual watcher learns from mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. unfortunately that magic is like trivial and the whole point is to just maybe yeah. figure out a trick am i fooled or not yeah yeah right which really i don't think that's what magic is personally mm-hmm. um but is it well, I think so. The thing that about, <laughs> about the situation that I'm still like just pondering on, and like what the mentality is of these people that try to, you know, mess with you, is like 
are they thinking, oh, you're a professional at this, so no you have to be so bulletproof that no matter what I do, you should be able to uh, come to a successful conclusion that I'm amazed. So even if I am difficult, like you should be that good to work around it. And there are cases where, yeah, you have ways to get around challenging situations like that. However, I just feel like magic exists because of parameters. Like magic is not real in the world. And most people know that they know some sort of method is behind it, sleight of hand, so forth. So it's like it only exists within the framework we're able to present it in. And if you start to chip away at that framework because you're like, I'm not going to follow the rules of that frame, uh, then magic can't exist. And so you're, it, it will fail. And well, yeah, it's like, what do you expect? They're just going to, yeah. <laughs> they're just going to stand up and start having a full blown conversation in the movie theater. Right. Yeah. The movie's going to fail too. Exactly. That's my point is like, what is that mentality to be like, I'm going to ruin the suspension of disbelief that people willingly go in because that's what they want to do is again, that escapism we were talking about, but just to be like, yeah. nah, I don't want to play by the rules. So I'm not going to have a good time and not, and also which sucks for everyone else is ruin the fun. Everyone else was there to have. Cause it well, that's takes why away I believe likability likability yeah. is so important in magic, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. right off the, the bat, you need everyone to be your friends and right. on your side and have sure. ready to have fun. And I say we um, both fall into that category, which, you know, obviously, again, 99% of the time, this doesn't happen. No, I get <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're walking into it, though, and people already there's even though you and I are not controversial in style, mm -hmm. sometimes the other people are coming into it with a controversial viewpoint. Right. Right. So being likable is maybe half the battle or more. Mm. But I have found something recently that I think um, takes it even a step further in terms of success rate. Okay. Um, so I'd be interested to see, like, I, I think it's really, really interesting. If it was one person and you told me this story, yeah, I'd say, okay, it's an outlier. Two people at the same table. Well, I think it's because they saw the first person and what right. happened. So that influenced the second person. But I think, yeah, I, yeah to me, that says there's an energy at that table. Sure. That needed course. a little extra mm -hmm. zhuzh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. maybe it was impossible, right? Sure. But yeah, yeah. usually now, I used to, when someone didn't follow directions for one reason or another, uh, most often the times it was an innocent mistake and my fault in scripting mm -hmm. or something. Um, yeah, that's another even if key point there too is like oftentimes if if you're consist consistently getting people not following the instructions, you got to think about how you're giving the instructions. Right, like, is it, right. Is it the performer's fault at that point? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, here's the thing. I made the shift of deciding that even if it's malicious, it's my fault too. Okay. Yeah. Even if it's malicious, it's my fault for not making them comfortable enough to to understand the game that we're all playing together. Sure. And sure. and. Uh, there's one more aspect too. When I started studying a lot more of, of Danny Ortiz, his style is very um, uh, lackadaisical is not the right word, but whenever he, he's a master of what we call in magic forcing, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I feel comfortable using the term classic force here. Yeah. Um, what makes a classic force work is, is, uh, is really feeling like it doesn't matter. The casualness of it. Yeah, the casualness of it. And and mm -hmm. one of the things Danny says all the times as he's performing is, I don't care, right? Right. And, and that's one way to phrase it. Another way to phrase it is, it just doesn't matter, right? right. Like, it, right, it should right, right. feel. That's the feel is that... It doesn't matter what I do. He's gonna mm -hmm. he's gonna figure it out. He's gonna make this magician or whatever, this mentalist is gonna make it work. He's gonna have an outcome. It doesn't matter because I'm already so blown away by everything that's happening, right? So, I think you gotta like. I, I think that I don't care sort of attitude really really helps. So you combine that with the likability, with the proper instructions, all of that, and like it will increase it from ninety nine percent to ninety nine point nine percent. Now there are still gonna be outliers. Right. And I think Very occasionally and I think, yeah, I, that's definitely a magic principle that's, you know, been ingrained ever since, you know, I started and always try to fight against is that, uh, you know, the more you put emphasis on a specific procedure, the more it kind of highlights it as being, you know, necessary to how the method works. Right. Right. So, right. I, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that my instructions are not highlighting it. It's just kind of like, you're going to just do this. You're going to, you know, follow these quick constructions. And it's like, it's, it's for my benefit, your benefit. But it seems, I feel like I'm being casual in it. And again, I think 99% mm -hmm. of that time, you know, it is that. But I think, 
you know, every once in a while, he'll just get a tough customer. Something off-put these people, or they yeah. just came into it off-put, maybe even before they got there. Or even, yeah, I'm not the, I don't know what other magic happened before me at Ooh. the table, too. Not Ooh. to, not to point, Wait a minute. That's not the to other point caveat. It. They this could have is, experienced a challenging mm-hmm. style exactly. right prior to you. Prior to me. So, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not just me and the environment I'm creating. I'm right. plugged into a show that has other experiences prior. And even like you're saying, prior to the even coming to, you know, who knows how their night was going, you know, before they right. arrived at the show. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of other factors that are in play, but I just found it interesting that whatever this one table was, it's like they're the well, ones that ha- both decided ha- to give me... How much effort are you putting into who you're choosing to give that instruction to at the table? How many people are there? There's usually about 12 people at a table. Yeah, so I mean, mm-hmm. do, you, do you put any thought like Absolutely. into who you're I, having do each thing? Yeah, I always know okay. exactly, you know, types of people I'm looking for, for, you know, also where they're seated specifically, you know, so it, I do have a little range, but I'm like, I usually use this side of the table for this. I try to get everyone Right, no, involved. I get that. You're limited a little bit. Yeah. But do you think like, but oh, I, I should have gone to this other person instead? Because yeah. you tried two out of 12 and like both right. did the same thing kind of. Yeah, so. I think it was just bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm not going to let it bother me, but I'm just always fascinated to analyze why that kind of stuff happens to see if it's avoidable you know, in the future, because I do want, and again, it wasn't the last, last thing I did. I still was able to end successfully with the finale and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that you always, uh, in which I love about mentalism and even comes from the improv world is like, as long as you end strong and you finish strong, (laughs) you know, that's, that's what people really remember. I feel (laughs) right. Yeah. I, I I would be less worried about the outcome if I were you. I think this is again, less about that. I think this is Mm -hmm. more about, okay, like, what what happened in between and was there anything that could have been done to sure. to help them understand mm-hmm. that okay we're all on the same team here yeah yeah you know and uh you know i think my style is also very different than everything else that is happening cuz you know most people only see one mentalist you know and that's I don't know. I think there's just a different vibe. And there is that theory in mentalism, too, is like one miss actually makes everything else you do stronger because they're like, if it's all a trick, you, you would get this right all the time, you know? Right. <laughs> there's right. that philosophy. So, um, yeah, look, there are always going to mm-hmm. be outliers. I, I had yeah. one that I told you a little bit about. Um, mm-hmm. I brought a, a kid on stage the other night and I had I had other choices. You're right. But I, I went with this one. And um it maybe wasn't the the ideal choice because, uh, and again, now this is a child, so it's a little bit different. It's it's tough because you want them to shine no matter what, especially as yes. a child, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, and you know what? I think the kid did shine as best he could in the um, like the circumstances. But uh, basically, just to like put it in short, the child immediately like once they got up on stage behaved really really sort of oddly and like Mm. chose to kind of berate me the whole time (laughs) if that makes sense he was like trying to be an insult comic um but (laughs) yeah but none of it made sense like it it basically sounded like um, like a kid making insults so it's like yeah but almost like making inside joke insults gotcha gotcha like he called me lieutenant something at some point or like (laughs) like i didn't know who it was i asked the audience they didn't know who it was like i was like what i I don't really understand this but you know rather than getting offended by it i I wasn't about to get into a yelling match with a a 10 year old or anything also it's it's tricky because you don't want to dig deeper to find any meaning that you don't want to find you know like right 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 right. yeah so i was able to sort of um have a sense of humor about it i guess is the best way to phrase it which i think it was was the best approach um i don't know exactly why i was going into this but i think i do think it was a situation that I would have handled worse a few years ago. Sure. But, um, cause I would have tried to, okay, like, do I send this person back or how can I just move this along quickly or limit their microphone time or strong, instead, strong arm the kid to do, to act the way you want them to act. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is, which is right. maybe what a, uh, what a more inexperienced performer or myself as an inex- mm-hmm. less experienced performer would have done. Uh, that that's a hundred, a good way to word it. Strong arm yeah. the, the volunteer to do, what you want, which I, I never do anymore. Yeah. And, and it's, 
instead i didn't even limit his microphone time i was like let's hear what you have to say sure (laughs) what do you mean by that what does that mean okay all right well maybe we could talk about that later and take it in stride (laughs) instead yeah you know yeah try to basically react to it in a way that i thought um human to human sure absolutely and i think that again we talk about this all the time like i think that is part of what uh, people are going to live theater to see. They want to see mm-hmm. humanity. They want to see those moments that are also just unique to their experience. And they know that it's live entertainment, which is, again, why improv is so interesting because, you know, people know it's only created for that audience and then after it's gone. Improv aside, though, yeah. right? Going to see live theater. Don't you You want to yeah. see a glimpse of that person's soul? You want uh, Yeah. Uh, that's an excuse. I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts. I'm probably paraphrasing it from other people I learned it from, but like people go to live theater just to have an opportunity to stare at another human being and see right. what, uh, what they do. And even if it is scripted, there are moments of humanity that, you know, are unique to each audience. I mean, that's the yeah. reason why you go to a theater instead of a movie. Cause a movie it's, you know, baked in and it's going to always be the same performance, but something in the crowd that night or, you know, depending on the audience and the reactions you're giving has some different energy that affects the way the actors are going to perform that night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's true. I think, I think I'm happy that I, I think I was able to let people walk away from the show where that wasn't the one thing that they would remember. Yeah. 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 I was able to make it not like just this awkward situation towards the end of the show that really kind of like left a weird taste in people's mouths. Whereas, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I think long story short, the audience is going to recognize how you handle the situation and give you the credit, regardless of what the kid is saying, because they're like, wow, he's a pro. He's handling this kid so well because they're they're The audience is also aware. We always have to give the audience credit that, you know, play to the top of your intelligence, but also like, you know, expect the audience to be, you know, smarter than they are because they are with it. They understand. Right. They're playing at the top of their intelligence. So they know what's going on. They know this is not normally how a, a kid is going to react when you bring them up on stage. Well, right? I had some uh, I had some meet and greets after the show. Now, again, mm-hmm. uh, if you're listening to this, we aren't currently selling meet and greets since covid we haven't done we haven't re-implemented meet and greets but um occasionally we'll have guests that are friends of the show one way or the other Mm -hmm. um that come backstage and um we did have people come backstage that night telling me that that's why you haven't been meeting me after the show when i come to visit (laughs) (laughs) you're just there too often (laughs) no um we did have people at backstage and um not all of them but a couple of them uh, the, they kind of came over in separate groups, actually. So mm-hmm. I saw them separately. But one one couple said, "Hey, was that was that kid a plant?" <laughs> oh, they thought that was part of the show. Yeah. Wow. Which actually made me even more happy about it. Yeah, because then you knew it was it came off okay. You know. Yeah, but you know it is. And you said to me before we started recording, it's kind of a kid say the darndest things thing. Yeah. And that's kind of what it became, which was fun. But I have people ask that all the time, mm-hmm. it, no matter no matter who you know. Sometimes. It, uh, sometimes the kid can be a real showstopper. It can sure, just be like, yeah. this is amazing. And more often than not, it kind of is, right? But even on just like an average average night, so to speak, people think that the child is a plant, which is crazy to me. Right. Because they don't participate in the magic in a way that would require them to be a plant. Right. But they think they just are a plant to add this moment of comedy or entertainment to the show, which I think is a disservice when people just go. I mean, it's the same thing with mentalism when they think there's only possible way to do it is that you right. have it plants in the audience. It takes away from the experience and skill of the performer to know that they can handle any situation and do it without that uh, because it is a skill set, you know, to, to be right. able to, again, make the kids shine no matter what. Right. I use, yeah. I just to be very clear, I use no plants. I right. don't do any pre-show work. Right. What you see is what's happening live sure. on yeah. stage in Absolutely. that moment at every show. But I've had literally family members of mine say, <laughs> is that kid on the payroll? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think some people say that just because they're being facetious and they know it's not the case and they want to say like, oh, you did such a great job. But other people, I think just when there's no other possibility or just in their mind, there's no other possibility. Exactly. But it's so funny because like I understand it with magic. Like sometimes it's so impossible. People go, oh, my God, they have to be mm-hmm. in on it. And like mm-hmm. which, again, never the case. Right. Um, but 
uh, with the kid thing, it's just so funny because like they're not instrumental to magic. They just can't believe that like <laughs> these kids are that smart because yeah, more often than yeah. not, they do say really, really witty, funny things. And right. they'll sometimes nights knock me down. Like I'll mm-hmm. literally just lay down on the stage and be like, that is too funny. I yeah. can't, you know, like this is awesome. So yeah, yeah. anyway. Well, just You've to put experienced a, some great theater, too. Oh, I was just going to say, just to put a little um, cap on the end of my, you know, please wondering uh, about how to deal with that. It's like, you just got to remember, too. It's like, it's one table. And now you got to brush it off. And just so, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't <laughs> let it. You can't let it uh, bother you. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to move on. And hey, if they wanted to be difficult and ruin the experience for themselves, uh, they but I want you to think about it when you go into it next time. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've been thinking about it since this was like a week and a half ago. So I'm, I'm no, but when you're giving that instruction, yeah, maybe yeah. it's an extra smile, a touch yeah. on the shoulder, yeah, dare right. I say that, post-COVID, right, you know, right, since right, COVID. Right. But like maybe mm-hmm. there is some sort of um, joke. I, you know, I have a line that I use, actually, All right. uh, where I, I do a trick, mm-hmm. and it's a really, really strong moment. And then... I say, wow, that's amazing. How did you do that? I let the guy respond, whatever he says, magic, or I can't tell you, or whatever he wants to say. And then I go over to the next person. I say, do you think you could do that? Mm. And they either say no or yes. Right. And if they say no, I say, what if I help you? Mm. Now I go into said force, right? Exactly. Um, If they say yes, it's a safe thing. Good. I like that confidence, especially if I help you. Yes. Right. So now we're already working together. So it'd be interesting to know if there's a way. Mm -hmm. I I do think those things make a big difference. Yeah. And I'm wondering, yeah, if they're viewing it as an antagonistic, you know, ask or something like that. And there's a way just to like smooth that over so they know that they're, yeah, working together rather than against. Yes. uh, Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll so. keep an eye on it, but I think I think it's so rare that it's not going to be an issue. <laughs> I mean, it's I, no, literally I agree, been something but I've been doing a, for a long time. If there's something to learn from right. it, exactly. I, I would try. That's exactly. all. That's all. But I, I'm excited for you to talk about this next thing. Yeah, because I I did see theater. Uh, you saw this a long time ago when it was uh, still like being workshopped and before previews before it hit the New York market. But I uh, finally saw right before it's actually closing, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. Round of applause! Yes, finally one of our recommendations we both lined up and have seen. <laughs> so so it's closing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that just like the end of the run or? Uh, I think uh, it may have had to do with a couple of things. I mean, uh, obviously, the subject matter is maybe, you know, in 2022, whatever year it is now, is uh, is can be tricky just because it's a man dressing up as a woman and there's all these uh, social political thoughts on that uh but uh i thought the broadway show handled it well though no i think they did and i think it's also just uh maybe it didn't get as many noms for the tonys as they thought and look they they opened it a really tough time i mean they they got shut down before they even opened for covid Mm -hmm. they had to postpone opening i mean yeah it's been really a tough time to open a show like that i think so too but uh but i enjoyed it i had a real fun time uh at the show uh, I think the uh, the lead role. Uh, I don't know if it's the same guy that you saw. But I think it is. Yeah, he de- killed it. Demanding role to do, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's tricky to do the Robin Williams character, but not be Robin Williams. Right, right. right. And I think he did a great job of doing impressions and still being a comedian and have the energy of Robin Williams without trying to do an impersonation. Although I will say when he did the voice of Miss Doubtfire, it was spot on <laughs> like it was Robin Williams doing that accent. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Oh, also the, uh, the, the eldest daughter had an amazing voice and I really liked the song that the, the kids sing in it. And there's some really fun moments that were different than the show, especially like, you know, adding diversity is always nice. Uh, but uh, the, there's like the dream sequence with all the doubt fires. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, right. Yeah, that was a crazy scene. And just seeing them, some sometimes, you know, they actually had him change into Mrs. Doubtfire in front of you. So you see the whole process of how like the mask goes on and the bodysuit and everything like that. So, but there's other moments, there's some magic in the show. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Was there like a quick change, right? There's like little quick changes. So like the first reveal, I noticed like there's a little misdirection so that the actor himself can get into the real costume and then be able to do a perfect change rather than the kind of faux change that they're doing on stage. And then later in the show, you know, the famous scene in the restaurant from the movie is he goes back and forth between the tables. But uh, there's a screen and the actor's really changing back and forth. So there has to be a little bit of downtime. But if you keep doing that, it's kind of will drag. So there's faster moments throughout where it was impossible for the actor to be able to change that fast back mm -hmm. and forth. So there was like little quick moments where it was like, oh, I see what they did there. That's pretty incredible. Using right. magic, again, not as an overt way, but in a covert way to help the, the storytelling uh, flow in the show, which I just right. always appreciate when there's little hidden techniques like that. You, you liked it? I did like it. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it, as you know. Yeah, yeah. I got merchandise while I was there, too. Oh, I was going to get a pin, but I forgot to get one. So I got a hat that says, hello. Yeah, there was a pin that said hello. I was going to get Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> So I had fun with that, uh, and then I got some more um, shows lined up that we'll talk about later, I'm sure, that I'll, I'm going to be seeing this week. So, yeah. good, Awesome. But when do you know when it closes? Mm, it's only got like a week or two left, I oh, think. Oh, man. No, I know. I really wanted to see like the New York version, right. you know? Yeah. The sets are really fun. I always love seeing Broadway sets. Uh, do you think the topic is uh, controversial in 2022? Um... You know, there's actually a variety of podcasts that talk about that specifically, like Do movie they? podcasts. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think that's beyond my scope as a, uh, you know, cis hetero white man. <laughs> right. Discuss. Right. No. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Uh, yeah. Who are we to say? Right. So, I mean, I would defer to a lot of those topics, but I didn't I didn't see anything I would have been, you know, clearly offended by. I, I just know. felt like the live theater version in particular, obviously the movie's locked into mm -hmm. what it is. Right. And it's and it's uh, from right. a particular time frame An era, um, yeah. and like there were there are always going to be things in movies from decades ago. Parts of it will age better than others, you know, in mm -hmm. lots of different ways, of <laughs> even course. just production value. Right. 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 But like in terms of the live theater, I felt like they sort of acknowledged it. If I remember correctly, I'm going back a couple of years now. So, yeah. And they like added, like I said, like the, the Harvey Firestein brother character, you know, they added his husband in. And oh, he right. Was, he yep. was able to like have some commentary on it. And uh, it was it was kind of fun. I mean, even just like when they're dressing him up for the first time and like the idea of what type of woman he was going to be. And then they right. added they they shifted based off of the accent he gave uh, right. some funny moments in the uh, in the actual writing itself but i think i mean it's coming from a place of love and respect and i think that's the intent uh behind exactly the writing of yeah. it and i think we always have to remember what the intent is too because uh i mean you can pick nits all you want uh, mm -hmm. but but yeah pick nits yeah <laughs> exactly. i like that instead of nitpick exactly all right, brother well let's fool each other let's uh, see if we can stump each other I, the, the purpose of riddles and trivia is not to fool each other. It's for entertainment and to understand there's more wonder. I'm just tying this back to what your definition of magic. I see what you're doing. You see what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it's time for Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! All right, this is in our vein of riddle slash lateral thinking puzzles, which you're probably going to see a lot more lateral thinking puzzles uh, because I'm on a kick of those lately. But uh, here you go, Matt. A man finds himself commuting to work in his car every day. Upon arrival to work each morning, he proceeds to drive his car in a circle four times before finally parking and entering his office building. Why does the man drive in circles every day? Uh, he has to go around a rotary. Uh, <laughs> four times? Around about. Yeah, usually when you go into a roundabout, you don't drive around. You have to like exit before you get back to the starting place. I mean, unless you're the, this is what we used to do back in uh, high school. Well, not me because I wasn't on any sports team. But supposedly when the sports teams won, <laughs> uh, they would do their little victory lap around the rotary in Massachusetts, and they would uh, they would just drive the bus around a few times so everyone knew like they were celebrating whatever win uh, they had. So no, he is not doing a victory lap. <laughs> Around right. the rotary. Okay. Um, let's hear it one more time. Sure. A man finds himself commuting to work in his car every day. Upon arrival to work each morning, he proceeds to drive his car in a circle 
four times before finally parking it and entering his office building. Why does the man drive in circles every day? Well, and I'll tell you why I like this riddle thinking puzzle after. He is he carpooling with other people, and he's gonna drop people off. Yeah, <laughs> and then pick them up. It's one building, so that would it's be weird building. to like drop them off. <laughs> is there like is there kind of like a little bodega situation? So there's like a little coffee stand in one corner of the parking lot that he stops at. Then he goes to the next little like fruit stand <laughs> then he goes back to get his money back because he didn't like the coffee and he has to go around again but he would do that every day well yeah he wants to save money so he has like four <laughs> sips of coffee and then he says this is no good and returns it he's just a con artist that's trying to take advantage <laughs> of this coffee return situation okay uh, so that's not it no um, but i do like the creativity of that one okay. so you're gonna get points for creativity um let's assume that it's the end like he's going in it's the beginning of his shift mm-hmm. and there's an overnight shift as well okay. and the overnight shift is getting out as he's arriving mm-hmm. so like he has to kind of wait to find a parking spot so he drives around and it usually takes exactly four times before someone comes out from to finish their shift and then he relieves them he takes their parking spot you are very close. You're you're on the right track here. However, uh, I will say, let's assume it's a nine to five job and everyone works nine to five. Okay. So there's no so, night shift here, I don't think. But you're on the right track. He's trying to find a parking spot. Yeah, but specifically, he normally takes about four circles. Um, you you are always uh, have to pull into what <laughs> to park. Like a garage? Yeah. Oh, the parking garage takes you in circles. I should have known that. <laughs> yeah, what I like, uh, yeah, I'll give you this. Uh, I'll give you that, actually. <laughs> but uh, uh, you were close. You get a half. Uh, but um, you were I think the- I may have heard this one, and I totally forgot the answer. I may have heard this, like, many years ago. Yeah, I just love the fact that it is, uh, you, it's, it's moving what you think from the words from, like, a 2D plane to a three-dimensional plane right yeah, so if you're thinking yeah i love of, that so if you're thinking of a parking garage like specifically the answer says he parks in a busy parking structure so normally like the employees are told to like park on the upper levels so they give you know whatever customer you know their their prime parking spot so that actually happened to me when it, way back when when i used to work at the mall we were supposed to told to park in a certain level so that customers could come in so the idea is he comes in and he takes a turn and he has to go up several floors spiraling up until he can find a spot. Uh, so it's always, you know, about four circles. So gotcha. Um, yeah. I like that one. What do you think? That's good. I really, really like it. It's good. All right. Hopefully our listeners got that, but let's see how we fare on trivia. Matt picks up the question. Then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia. Okay, so I'm going to give you... This might be really easy for you. Okay. Um, this is not the question, but I'll give you the gist of it. So, like, sure. the phrase, that's what she said. Who coined mm-hmm. that? What show is that from? Um, that's from The Office, Michael Scott. Perfect. So, this is going to be, like, the, the vein of the question. That one would be way too easy, I felt like, for sure. you. Sure, yeah. Um, but I found one that I was like, maybe. Okay. Maybe you'll question this one. I'm. By the way, I'm counting that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to up my stats here, especially okay. after last week. <laughs> um, if I say to you, I caramba, uh-huh. you already, that's already easy. From what TV show is that? That is Bart yeah. Simpson from The Simpsons. You think yeah, a master, master Simpsons fan like me would not know that? I thought you would, but I don't know because if I hear that, I think of Tommy Boy. Okay. And then I had choices that were like older than The Simpsons, so I didn't sure. know if you would think, "Oh, they're it, they're phrasing it, it from something else." No, that's so synonymous with Bart Simpson. What other? I do like this game of like what TV catchphrases. They're very they easy because even I know them. I got "Hello Newman." <laughs> that's clearly Seinfeld. <laughs> so easy. Um, <laughs> I have dope. It's also The Simpsons. <laughs> right, but you got to say the character. Fun fact, Homer. But the fun fact is, you know, they don't write that in the script. Oh, it's, really? It's always in parentheses as annoyed grunt. 
Wow, that's awesome. So there's a actually um, a Simpsons episode called Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but it's actually called Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great story. Is yeah. that in a book? I'm sure it's somewhere okay. in my knowledge there. Um, how about this one? I wouldn't have known this one. Okay. Dynamite. That is from Good Times, and I believe uh, the character is Jimmy Walker. Ah, uh, maybe it starts with a J. It's oh, JJ. JJ Walker, yeah. JJ Evans. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I just had the name wrong. It's a show before my time, but I know. Uh, yeah, if you had the choices, I would have got that. JJ. Oh right! I didn't give you the choices. You did. You did get the show though, right? I just Is that the right off, show? Yeah, I got it off. Uh, Let me off, confirm that. off a of memory. Uh, that actually doesn't say the name of the show. The oldest son of James in Florida, Evans. JJ Evans, dreams of becoming yeah, yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah it's that, the, that's correct. It's one of those. Yeah, it, he goes by JJ Jimmy Walker, right? In Good Times. I don't know. I could be oh, wrong. I'll give you. I'll give you one more. Mm-hmm. Bang, zoom to the moon, Alice. That is Ralph Cramden from the Honeymooners. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have got that. I mean, sh- give me TV catchphrases all day long, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I will be happy to do that. If that was Good a work. pub trivia question uh, category, that would be in my wheelhouse there. Very good. Uh, Matt, we got a quick one from the mailbag, so let me just jump into this. The mailbag. I've got mail. Um, Frederick wrote in in response to our um, topic last week on the psychological study about magic and uh, people who are adverse to it are psychopaths. By the way, I think the people just messing with me, I should have just said psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> to follow up from last week's conversation. Right. Uh, but he just wanted to plug, um, uh, he said, just listening to your latest cast. I love that our cast is just catching on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, regarding the psychological study you referenced, I was reminded of a sketch from Netflix's I Think You Should Leave, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is uh, Tim Robinson's um, show there, uh, which is a lot of like sketches that didn't make it to SNL when he was on, uh, but he put his own show together. But there's a uh, episode three season of season one. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. I remember this clip, but he, it says it demonstrates the real distress a magic show could inflict on men. And uh, basically the gist is he like helps out and he's like having a good time with the magician who's like poking fun and doing all like the the gag hack lines and like sort of like making him look foolish. And on the way home, his wife, Cecily Strong, is just like upset with him. And then in bed, she won't even like talk. And as the lights go out, she's just like how could you let him make you look like a fool like that? <laughs> it's like this big contentious um, moment in their marriage because he was like so game and like he was just having fun in the magic show, but she's like, right. it has made you less of a man. And then he kind of goes back to the show to show he's more of a man. Uh, I won't give away the, uh, I mean, that's the premise, but you gotta definitely got to watch it because all the details and the performances there are amazing so uh check that out <laughs> what's that called again because i've heard of it it's called i think you should leave i think you should leave on netflix gotcha. yeah it's tim robinson's project uh who is so you were familiar funny. with this recommendation i was i was okay. so I, I want you to check it out and for our listeners who just uh, you know all, all good i love people reminding us of great magic sketches <laughs> there's so many ways and often this magic is portrayed so poorly in comedy <laughs> but um that's true yeah but if there's a new take on it, I'm always curious. So, yeah, man. Amazing. Awesome. Um, cool. Matt, I've, I've been writing a little bit. That was my goal um, this past week. Um, we're not at goals yet, but I was uh, trying to work on a new piece, uh, which I am happy to say I came up with a method for, but it's a very specific um, setting for it. So I'm rewriting it to try and figure out more of a universal approach to work anywhere, anytime. Uh, but as I was writing, um, the I, I picked up a book that uh, interests me, and I'm only about a few chapters in now, uh, but it's called, let me see, I pull up the exact title here, uh, Writing for Emotional Impact. And it just got me thinking, as uh, a writer, and when you're coming up with routines, do you ever think of the uh, the emotional impact you want other than amazement? 
uh, that you want to inflict on inflict. I mean, or <laughs> yeah, here we go. We're perpetuating not, the not issue. A, not inflict, but uh, to uh, for your audience to experience. So um, uh, just a couple points that I I always like to make notes on some of these books. Uh, but um, one way that's key for emotional impact and thinking about your audience and what they're experiencing is, uh, you know, you want to be unique because people obviously love uh, variety and seeing things they've never seen before, but also familiar at the same time because we are people who are always communicating and relating to each other based off of the shared experiences. So like when you're pitching, this is obviously a, a book that's more guide geared towards like screenwriting and, and uh, pitching for movies and television, uh, but they're always looking for what's unique and what's familiar about it. So it's almost like that inevitable um, human experience that we can all relate to. Like one example they give is like Finding Nemo, even though this is a story we're not familiar with the story of what fish's <laughs> everyday lives are like. But we can relate to the father missing a son because that's a familiar emotion that people could kind of figure out as well. Um, so I think that was really fascinating. Uh, but do you ever write a piece thinking about what emotional impact you're going to have? All the time. Yeah. But is, I it, spend is it more, more than time. just amazement? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, like the amazement part is like the. I don't know if I would, I mean, almost like I would call it like the grunt work, like the part that like needs to get done, period, mm. to, in order to call it a magic performance. You need to have that there. Mm. Um, but like as soon as it's done and complete, I, I move on to the to the, to, to, um, the nuances of all the other parts or, or the, whatever the other emotional impact that I'm going for is, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And do you, um, do you very, I mean, it's hard to do, I think, in the traditional magic setting, uh, but, uh, you know, it's something to think about is like oftentimes, you know, we're looking for wonder or happiness or laughter, that kind of those kind of emotions. But I'm curious, are there other emotions we can try and pull out, whether it's like, you know, do we ever want anger in our audiences or contempt or, you know, sadness or pulling on heartstrings is one that we it feels like could be used and many successful magicians do use that, but like the wide range, we have a wide range of human emotions we could be pulling from. And I feel like a lot of times we're hitting the same ones and wondering if varying it up could add depth to a magic show. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah. I think a hundred percent it does. I think it's like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of tested and proven, right? Um, mm. I, I share personal stories in, in my show and I do see tears on mm, a regular basis. Mm. Are they sad tears? I'm not sure. Mm, right. And right, I think right, whatever, right. whatever emotional touchingness. Impact, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Whatever emotion someone has in response to something is the right answer. I don't necessarily mm. want to dictate like what, how they're supposed to interpret a piece or like uh, what they're supposed to take away from it. I kind of like to, Mm -hmm. uh, I like if there's ambiguity in terms of like what that piece of like a what, for example, in a piece of music, people would say like a certain song means something to them mm -hmm. that may have not been what the writer intended. But I like for whatever it does mean to them is right. Right. Yeah. I think it's it can be the same in magic, too. Um, did you I didn't catch. I don't think you said the name of the author, right? Of this uh, book? Uh, that is correct, because I don't have that in front of me at the well, moment. Well, what do they do? Are they a screenwriter? Like, yeah, what, what are they? It's, a, okay. it's a screenwriting book. Uh, okay, yeah, I was just trying to get like understand where they are, director, writer, you know, author, what were their... Here, let me pull it up real quick. It is written by... Uh, why isn't this not loading fast enough? <laughs> they, oh, uh, Carl Iglesias. Okay, Carl yeah, Iglesias. I was just curious what their yeah. background was, but screenwriting... Yeah. Now, there's some interesting tips I took from this as well, but I think mm -hmm. your point is correct that, like, as long as people are feeling something, it means mm -hmm. they're invested in it and not just at a superficial level. Um, one of the things he talks about is building a wisdom library is a technique where you could just get aphorisms and axioms and other quotes that are inspiring and using that to help you convey your message as, like, kind of a background subtext in, in yourself as you're writing. Uh, but um, I, I started my own quick, small little list as I was writing this, mostly also from quotes that are in the book. But um, there's a there's a Argentinian writer, and I po apologize if I butchered this name. I think it's Jorge Luis Borges, uh, and it says, "Art is fire plus algebra," which I thought was really interesting. That there's that passion behind it, and then it's just figuring out how to structure and organize it um, in a specific way. 
Um, Albert Camus, of course. Uh, fiction is the lie through which we tell the truth. I think is also very interesting. And then he just says that it's been known the phrase uh, emotions unite people and ideas divide. Um, so I think that's kind of fascinating as well to think again at that common level, we're all experiencing the things that we experience as humans. But when you verbalize it or make it too preachy or hit it on the head, it can, you know, really intellectualize it too much. And that's, I think, where people can disagree if they're operating at that intellectual level as opposed to feeling it um mm -hmm. you know a lot of i mean obviously with politics going on today a lot of people are more passionate by the emotions feel felt with it but not necessarily making logical intellectual decisions based off of it right right um, um so some thoughts on those i don't know i'd have more to talk on as well yeah, well, when you see a comedy movie, right, that's like mm. most of the beats are making you laugh, but then it also happens to have touching moments. Maybe like a, mm. a Tommy Boy would be an example. Mrs. Doubtfire would be an example. Mm. Uh, maybe Wedding Crashers has sure. like some touching moments, love moments, and so on. I wonder, like, do you walk away kind of remembering those moments? They might be standout moments, maybe, because in a magic show where the the common – thing we're feeling is wonder throughout mm -hmm. and then there is a touching moment that that evokes a different emotion uh i wonder if that's the part people remember the most so like when i when i say what was your favorite part of the show to people they'll they'll talk about a part that was like more of a um a slower beat and more of an emotional beat and uh that might be the part that like moved them in a different way than most of the other things in the show so that's what like comes to mind right away right yeah, I think it adds depth, right? It, otherwise, it it's kind of one note, and if that's the constant throughout, again, if you're varying things, that's going to add more levels to it. But it makes it more three-dimensional. It's not just like surface level at that moment because there's it's showing who you are as a performer. It's making them feel it a different way, and I think that's the part that can resonate so that they're not just operating on one consistent gear the whole time you know well how about how about the example of a comedian that mm. goes political a little like like say say um george carlin just as like a phenomenal example right Which, like by the way yeah. i started the documentary on hbo i'm yeah the first part it's fantastic i can't it's wait to really, see it yeah really I, i'm definitely gonna watch it um mm. so yeah obviously the main beat you're feeling throughout is laughter 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 but like also he makes you think yes yeah but i think you're resonating with his emotion behind it, right? Because it's a lot of, he's he's putting things in very intellectual ways, but it's really that raw. Yeah, contempt, you feel his passion. His contempt for the way society is right, acting right. around him. And it could make you, in turn, feel contempt. Right, right. Right. So and, maybe maybe there is a place for that, right? And, I think and it's there also, is. I think you just cited it. It's also laughter of recognition, too, because you're feeling the same thing the performer's feeling. Mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. that, that could also happen. Uh, there's a couple of ideas and ways because the book is about how to use the skill of writing to convey these emotions because it's like one thing to say it's one another to have these tools that you learn from years and years of practice of it but uh when talking about like different concepts uh the, a, lot, a big theme of this book is having a contrast so like adding another idea into your idea like you're saying so it's like comedy plus political or whatever is to to show um uh, it reminds me of improv with like the base reality. Something is unusual once you establish base reality because you have something to contrast off of it. So you show the two extremes. Otherwise, if you don't know what that base reality is, you don't know what's unusual. So you don't have anything to, to compare it against. Uh, so one of the things is if you have an idea, find a way to contrast it. Find the opposite idea. You can give the opposite just as equal merit. Uh, and if you have like a theme in your show or something you're going against you know you can convey that more as like a preachy way instead of instead of preaching um you can show it as a question so like maybe you don't even know and give it up to the audience once they're presented with both sides to decide which way is kind sure. of the, the thing you're you're going for um is this book a recommendation by the way should i be reading this it sounds pretty interesting yeah, I mean, you gotta read it based off of the, that it's geared towards screenwriting. But that's I think fine. What's it wrong with help, that? Helps a lot with how I'm thinking about you know writing different pieces and current shows that I'm having the back burner and everything like that. But I would check it out. I think it's one of the best uh, books on you know screenwriting I've read uh, so yeah. far, and I'm only like halfway through. Wow, um, yeah, no, that sounds really interesting to me. Um, so yeah, they they talk about showing not telling. 
uh, turn the theme into a question, wrap the idea in an emotion. Um, so you can have, you can actually go the other way, pick an emotion first and then figure out what ideas best lend themselves to that emotion. Uh, give the opposite side its equal weight. Convey through images, leap motives, and colors. I think that's interesting when we're thinking about stage picture and uh, theater design of like what images do you want? What do cards represent or could they represent? Um, what colors have different meaning? Are you using certain colors for specific reasons mm -hmm. uh, and what's implied by them? And there's, I love color theory because you can almost see colors in different ways. They're almost like a duality behind thing like red could mean you know passion but it could also mean anger you know right uh, you know green could be you know eco-friendly or healthy or natural but it could also mean grust uh, sorry lust and envy um mm -hmm. so yellow could mean energy yeah they yeah, all have yeah. different yeah they have different meanings are you familiar with leap motives or light motives i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly. i don't it's think a, so it's a musical term um, that was a lot of like, you know, old school opera uh, writing where when a character would enter, they'd have their own little theme. Right. And then also if a major theme uh, presented itself, uh, there would also be another musical little, you know, line of melody. And every time that came back, they'd repeat that melody. And when the character This is used back, in movies and TV all the time. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering, as magicians and mentalists, is there something we can do, not necessarily melodically i mean if you want to compose your own score i mean by all means but is there something thematic that you can bring back to emphasize a theme whether it be a visual or a phrase you say or something that just kind of subtly brings back your intended meaning i like the idea of it be being done melodically actually yeah <laughs> i mean why not good I mean, it does require having a full score composed, I feel, or like a little, at least a sound clip you can work into your music every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there are so many producers out there now that mm -hmm. are, you know, looking to do just that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Composers, independent, yeah. working from home, doing their thing that create great music. Absolutely. You and know? I mean, definitely, yeah, high... Hire by all means. Find someone who's interested in doing that. Just have the idea of like you got to have the idea of what you're trying to do. Right. You know? exactly. <laughs> Don't um, hire them first. Figure it out. Then say, hey, here's right. what I need. Uh, two more concepts I just want to talk about. So like right now I'm like really dealing with the theme part, but also like your concept behind your idea when you're creating um, of just like uh, take things to the extreme. Right. So what is the uh, furthest uh, if there's a spectrum, go all the way to one side or the other side to see if you can heighten the stakes uh, and if we're if we're coming up with like, you know, mind reading or magic ideas, it's like, what's the extreme largest impossible idea with that? And then see if you can help create uh, to add, you know, that emotional uh, impact or just uniqueness to the idea. Uh, and then the other one I really liked is just reverse predictable plots or change predictable story elements. So, I mean, we, we being in our business for so long know what the tropes are, what the intended things is like, oh, they're setting this up this way. It's probably going to end up being this type of trick or whatever. But how surprised are we whenever that goes against expectations right. uh, and just to kind of consider that or even think like, oh, you're doing a cut and restored rope. You know, how do we do that backwards? What's the reverse of that? You know, right, uh, right. Um, or just whatever, whatever the effect is, try and think of it backwards and see if there's an effect there. And then maybe you created something new. So I'm uh, going to sound like a crazy person because mm. I haven't I haven't even seen the cover of this book. Sure. But I almost feel like every magician should read it. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I think anyone who's writing, I think, should read it for sure. Well, I think here's what it prevents, right? Like, mm. you know, TikTok magic is TikTok magic, and it is for a reason. It's missing in almost every instance. It tends to be missing this emotional side because mm. it's so short and trivial, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. But by reading this and understanding it, I think that it would help if you're trying to do a full length stage show or any, even a short piece of magic on stage. Um, you know, TikTok magic just ain't going to work. It ain't going to cut it. Yeah. And the way to prevent yourself from doing that is by, you know, understanding some of these ideas, which I, I 
I think we should all be working to understand more and learn how to use these tools. I, I think I'm going to get the book as soon as we hang up. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think mm -hmm. it does require a little leap from the reader, like for us to apply it to our experiences. Of course. Um, but but if like, for example, I just finished the chapter on character. So obviously it's geared towards writing characters in movies. But if you take that to apply, how am I as a character in my stage show? And what techniques are the writers using to write their characters that I can use to convey my character on stage to make people feel and understand my journey uh, because like the, the the hero's journey doesn't really necessarily apply to a lot of magic shows but it would be really fascinating if it did it's like mm -hmm. how do you as a performer change throughout the show right uh, from where you started to where you end right uh, that's interesting too just people you don't see that in a lot of like I'm gonna show you this routine and this demonstration and the next demonstration as well so right. seeing even just applying story and filmmaking techniques to a theater show in a new way will i think create something unique in our field easier said than done my friend but of course love it. good stuff i do love these big ideas so mm -hmm. uh we should wrap up matt so i mean that's my recommendation obviously um uh, we're on to our goals and uh my goal for last week was to uh write the stage piece, figure out some methods and do some podcasts behind the scenes. I have done some podcasts behind the scenes that I've even sent you uh, mm -hmm. that we'll be discussing more and uh, leading up to our 100th episode next week, yep. um, which will be, uh, uh, I can't believe it's been 100 episodes. So congrats to you, Matt. And congrats little, to you. A little pat on my back as well, <laughs> my own back, <laughs> uh, for, for sticking with uh, this uh, project of ours. Uh, but uh, I think my goal for next week is just to, I, I'm going to keep writing and working on that piece. I'm, I'm working on other methods for uh, that as well. Uh, and then to finish the, uh, the emotional impact book, writing for emotional impact. Mm -hmm. and uh, to also uh, finish that George Carlin documentary. And I'm sure cool. we'll have, uh, if you watch it as well, I'm sure we'll have lots to discuss about it. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be if able it, to achieve yeah. it, but let okay. me put that Carlin thing on my goal list. Okay. I don't it, know if I'll get to it this week, but I, you know, I really would like to. So yeah, maybe we'll I'll talk about that it. On my, uh, pop that on my goal list. I did achieve last mm -hmm. week's goal, by the way. Um, you you actually nailed yours, huh? If you actually get to the Carlin documentary, just don't make sure it's the same gap from our Doubtfire, so that it takes us this. Long I know, right? This is like two to, years later. We'll be talking about it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think I nailed my goals. Uh, I'm just yeah. going to continue on that. You had toys from Magic Live, and uh, I saw you complete a lot of this because I've been watching yeah. your Instagram. Yeah, uh, I've and been you wanted to some of those learn things. and practice and put them not in a drawer. Right, um, and so I'm having so much fun doing it too. Yeah, some of these uh, little toys you got. I mean, I don't want to say toys because there was some technique behind it you had to learn and figure out as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, they're looking very visual, uh, right? For like, especially for Instagram and TikTok and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, some fun stuff, which is like, it's kind of like stretching for me, right? Like for me, it's like a little bit outside of like my normal, like what mm -hmm. I'm normally drawn immediately to. So it's been a fun challenge to to do that stuff. Very cool. Do you think uh, from the reactions is getting online. Is there any place for them to show up in a show or yeah, TV so spots? Yeah, so I think or? a lot of them are like actually really, really cool. And the thing I like about it, I've been um, there's a creator from France. His name is Michael. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He's really awesome, and um, his stuff is so visual and so fun. But also like, there's some really practical stuff in there. So like, he created this trick where you turn a pen into a pencil, which I actually have performed years ago from you know from him and i did it on instagram or something years ago and i thought oh that's fun but it only works there mm, yeah and i thought yeah the angles aren't right you could never do it live i was mm -hmm. at magic live i stood at his booth right he had a wide like arc of people sure and he performed it in a way that i much different than the way that like i interpreted how to perform it and it was so awesome and it looked amazing right up close in person, almost surrounded by people. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, no, this is real deal. So yeah, there's definitely could be a place for these things to show up in a live show sometime. You never know. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, so, so you got your Carlin doc, maybe if you get to it, what are the goals for next week? That's the goal. That's the only goal? That's the goal. Okay. 
<laughs> good, good, good. That sounds, sounds very achievable. I don't know. You're like, maybe I'll get to it. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to try my best. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot of other things going on, so it's, a, that, it's not a guarantee, believe it or not, but I'm going to try. And your other goal I'm just going to add is you got to email me um, some thoughts on our behind the scenes. Uh, now that one, I'm much more confident I can do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, this has been a great absolutely. one. The next one's going to be better. Uh, I don't think last time we aired, I don't think Nick Cannon's show was out yet, but now it's aired. You said this next one's going to be better. We have no clue. It's just going to be our hundredth, but <laughs> I, mean, I feel like this one was pretty good, Matt, but, uh, but no, yeah, we're on to plugs. I don't think Nick Cannon, we mentioned it. It hadn't okay. aired yet. Watch the full episode because then you can see the part where I'm sitting at the desk. This is finally like we talked about this, but I never wasn't allowed to say the show back way back when. Right. I taped this a long time ago. But this was the show where I borrowed a hundred dollar bill from Nick Cannon, turned it into a one, and then it never reappeared because he didn't realize there was going to be a prestige, so to speak. Amazing. Um, and I watched the clip, but I think it was my fault. Oh. I, I, I was gonna appear in a box of mints, which I eventually sure. did later on on Ellen. Um, right. But I, same dollar, I, I don't same think I acknowledged. $100? I don't think I acknowledged that I put them on the desk. Oh, interesting. Because because I got into the the script through like an improvised thing that he had said to me. Mm. It was so I didn't go into any scripted dialogue. So I think it just I think I just put it there and never called any attention to it. So that might be why you know again see as performers it's usually right. many times Our own on fault. us. Yeah. Now I'm I was wondering. But it's pretty funny. If the when you made it appear in the mint box on Ellen, was it Nick Cannon's hundred dollars? It was yeah, it was signed by Nick Cannon <laughs> on the back, so you didn't get to see that, but it, it was there. It jumped <laughs> it jumped shows. That's that's a magic first. You gotta follow the continuity from show to show. Yeah, what you do is you zoom in, you see the serial number and it actually matches. So <laughs> Imagine. that's amazing. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, check we'll that put out the if you want. link in the show notes. Yeah, if yeah, if you want, yeah, yeah, you could do that. Uh, and then yeah, you can visit me at ericdittleman.com to uh, book me for future shows. Uh, summer's looking uh, like it's picking up with a bunch of uh, uh, gigs for me at some colleges orientation sessions. I'm gonna be popping in and out of, uh, so that's fun as well as some corporate stuff that are still happening here. Uh, and uh, Matt, where people can see you, where can they see you? We are on sale right now all the way through the fall. I think maybe through October at the moment with more dates going on sale soon. But um, if you're coming in the summertime, just understand those those dates are, are already on sale and ready to go. So um, wow, we hope to see you at a show soon. Plan ahead. Go see Matt in Vegas. Uh, you can also visit us at mindovermagicpodcast.com where you can send us an email to mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thoughts, questions, riddles, trivia, send them our way. We'll get them on the show. And uh, follow us on the socials at mindmagicpod. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear from you, and we appreciate that you are listening, and uh, especially those who've been here from the beginning uh I can't believe you've lasted almost 100 episodes, and we look forward to chatting with you again as well uh, next week. So uh, this has been fun, Matt. Thanks, everybody. This episode is over. It is. It is. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Bye.